0: Welcome to the bits of balance podcast a place where health and wellness is talked about and viewed through more than just a physical lens but an emotional social spiritual and intellectual lens as well over here we believe that health promoting behaviors should add to your life rather than take away from it i'm your host jacqueline bett a non-diet registered dietitian to be a certified personal trainer and an extreme ice cream enthusiast in this podcast you will hear special guests and myself share our journeys and how we are working to find balance in our own lives. We will also discuss ways to ditch diet culture and find food freedom. We'll also be diving into how to discover your own healthy relationship with exercise and ways to be at peace with your body. But most importantly, I hope for this podcast to inspire and motivate you to find your own balance while practicing wellness without obsession. So let's dive in and discuss some bits of balance. Hello everyone. And welcome back to the bits of balance podcast. I'm super excited you're here today because we have our second special guest on the show. Her name is Erin and Erin is the face behind body by breakfast on Instagram, which holds over 50,000 followers. Erin just graduated from UNLV with her bachelor's degree in nutrition. And she is currently in her dietetic internship, which ends in February. Erin decided to study nutrition because when she was younger, she struggled with an eating disorder. So she made it her mission to help others not to have to go through what she went through. It is now Erin's passion to share her story and experiences to hopefully inspire, educate, and empower others to create healthy relationships with food and their bodies. So as you can see from that intro, you can tell that Erin and I's values align heavily. And Erin is honestly just such a light in this world and is so inspiring. And she really just empowered me throughout this episode. And it was so fun talking to her. So a few things that Erin and I discuss are how recovering from her eating disorder has given her freedom in her life in so many different ways, and what role her Instagram has played in her recovery, her thoughts around food, and what that support system has really provided to her. We also discuss Erin's top three tips on how to accept and love her recovered body as it had changed throughout her eating disorder recovery, and I think that This can really resonate with many of us if we're just having a bad body image day or anything like that. These tips that Erin provide are great. And we also discuss what her future plans are as a registered dietitian, and Erin shares some very empowering advice that she would have given her younger selves. So overall, maybe if you're struggling with your body image or your relationship with food, I think that this episode is going to be a great listen for you, and I know that it was for me so let's get into it and welcome Erin. thank
1: you i'm so happy to be
0: here so happy to have you all right so we're gonna start off today with a little fun this or that so i have about five questions for you are you ready yes all right first one is soft serve or hard serve ice cream (sighs) soft serve soft serve Mm -hmm. uh sweet or savory breakfast Oh my God. Can I <laughs> choose both? Can I have like sweet and savory? <laughs> that works. Yes. It's, it's okay. a good combination, right? <laughs> it is. <laughs> okay. And then coffee or tea?
1: Coffee, hands down.
0: I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then night out with friends or just a relaxing night in?
1: Relaxing night in.
0: For relaxing sure. night in. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah. And then last one pancakes or waffles
1: oh my gosh <laughs> these are so hard um I'm gonna say pancakes because I have it tattooed on me so it's like it wouldn't be fair if I didn't choose pancakes <laughs> you
0: do that's awesome yeah. <laughs> I love that I'm I would definitely choose pancakes as well I love the I like the pancake stacks like that's just- yeah
1: that like when you go to a restaurant you get like a stack of pancakes and like you get a waffle and you only get one. So I'm like, exactly. more bang for my buck.
0: <laughs> Amen. I love that. All right. So Erin, I'll have you kind of just start off the episode by sharing a little bit about yourself, your background, who you are, your story, um, and I guess how you got to where you are today. Okay.
1: So I'll try to keep it like short and sweet. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I And currently in my dietetic internship, I'm in my clinical rotation. So um, I'm working in the hospital, working with patients, which is super cool. But how I got here wasn't like the most conventional way, I guess you could say. So I first started in college playing division one soccer out in Louisiana. And, um, you know, everything was going fine until I developed a pretty severe eating disorder in my um, junior year. So I had to quit soccer, withdraw from school. And I went inpatient for six weeks in a treatment center. So that pretty much like rocked my whole world. Everything was just kind of thrown off course. And I'm a very, like, everything needs to be perfect. Like, um, you know, on path, like kind of person. So this Mm -hmm. was just a huge, like shock for me. And, um, So I spent six weeks inpatient and, um, it was definitely like the most challenging, frustrating, um, but most rewarding, like six weeks of my life, you know, everything started like falling into place and I discovered who I was and like what I want out of life. And, you know, after that, I finished college and graduated with a degree in kinesiology and I wanted to do like physical therapy, but after I got out of treatment, I was like, you know, I, I went through this for a reason, and I want to use my experience and use my story to help others not go through what I went through because I wouldn't wish mm. that on you know my worst enemy. So mm. I was like, you know, what can I do to, um, you know, share my story? And so I was like, you know, I'm gonna go study nutrition. I'm going to learn everything I can learn and become a dietitian and use that education and my experience to help others. So, um, I went, I moved back home with my family in Nevada and um, applied to UNLV out here to study nutrition, um, graduated actually a couple of days ago via Zoom um, 2020. Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I started my internship in, I think it was August and I finished in February and that pretty much has led me to where I am
0: today. That's great. Thank you so much for uh-huh. sharing. I think I think it's really cool how, like you talked on using your own experiences to just become more educated in the field in order to help mm-hmm. others. And initially, I I actually didn't know that you played college soccer. That's really cool. I was yeah. um, a big soccer player in high school and then kind of ended up stop stopping playing, I guess. But um, yeah, I started out as like just a general health science major in college because I wanted to go to PA school is what I thought. And mm-hmm. then- my path towards studying nutrition was kind of similar. I think initially it started out as me thinking, oh, I'm already looking up all these calories online and like having Mm -hmm. these like obsessive disordered thoughts and like just very food focused brain naturally because I was not nourishing my body properly. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's like kind of what made me switch into nutrition. But now I feel more kind of like along the lines that you said, how you want to learn more and use your experiences to help others. So yeah, yeah, that's great. Thanks for sharing again. Of course. And I also had a question um, when you brought up how you played soccer and, and then kind of led into that diet or the eating disorder, I guess your Mm -hmm. junior year, do you think that soccer or like the exercise aspect had anything to do with that?
1: I think there were definitely several things that played a role in it. Like first I grew up in Southern California and that is definitely like kind of one of like the main places for diet culture. And, you know, you have to fit the standard and, you know, look like everyone else. And so I grew up with those messages like ingrained in my head from the beginning. Um, but it didn't really hit me until I was in college and, I loved soccer. Like I loved it with everything in my heart and my soul. And, you know, as I started to play more, um, collegiately, it started to get, you know, less fun and I wasn't enjoying it. And, you know, my coach didn't make it very like, um, like a positive experience for me. He was very hard on me, like emotionally and, um, and physically I would say. And so I, I, ended up like hating it. I hated playing. I didn't want to play anymore. I didn't care if I played well. Like I just didn't care. And at that point I had no control over soccer or my coach or like, you know, anything going on, but I was like, you know, something I can control is how I feel about myself. So I was like, well, I'm going to take matters in my own hands. I'm going to, you know, start restricting my food, exercising like crazy to fit that, you know, standard that I didn't fit, I never fit it, mm. um, you know, growing up, as long as I can remember, I was never that, um, you know, standard of beauty is like society has um, made us believe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one thing led to another, it became obsessive and compulsive, and it just like it spiraled out of control. So I think it was a little bit of everything, of, a little bit of mm-hmm. all of those things that really like played a
0: huge role. Mm hmm. Yeah. I see what you're saying there. Yeah. I mean, college sports are extreme. Like from what I've heard about practicing every single day for hours and then just having Mm -hmm. a few other hours of the day to study and do your classes. Like I can see how I feel like that would be so much stress added up and Mm -hmm. the need, the need for control in that situation, I feel like would be so high because you feel like things are out of your hands and
1: yeah. Yeah. I can. And I was like a freshman, I was just like, away from my family didn't know anybody, you know, I'm like thrown into what I think college should be like. And I had this idea of like, you know, what college is like, and I wasn't experiencing it. So I was just like, it was a culture shock for me. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I can't control anything. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was a crazy experience.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I guess to transition you now, would you consider yourself like recovering or recovered from your eating disorder? I don't. I, that's a tough question. I
1: don't know if I believe in like absolute full recovery, like saying that I'm recovered because it's, I do have, you know, eating disorder thoughts. They're not very loud and they're not very strong, but they are still there. So I wouldn't consider myself like fully recovered, but I definitely am in a very, good place with my relationship with food and my body. So I don't mm-hmm. know it's a tricky question.
0: <laughs> it, it is yeah, it is yeah. and I mean it's all about the journey and I think that we're always in a place for growth and we're always in a place for learning. Mm-hmm. so it's not it's not even necessary to put a label on it honestly in my eyes. Yeah. I was just I
1: love that yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah. So kind of how has your journey in recovery? given you different types of freedom in life that may just be freedom to go out and be social with your friends or freedom to not to allow your body to rest like really anything what would you say about Mm -hmm. that?
1: Yeah. So, you know, my eating disorder took so much away from me. You know, it held me back from doing so many things. It took away my ability to like experience real and true emotions and feelings. Um, My ability, like you said, to just go out with friends and family. Um, I wasn't able to date or have like romantic relationships um, just because I was like so insecure and I didn't, it just... I couldn't do it. Um, And, you know, it took away my ability to just really enjoy anything about life. I was living in constant fear every single day. Um, So, you know, ever since I chose recovery and, you know, making that commitment to myself, I have found almost like a new purpose of my life. And I found kind of like my place in this world, um, mm. as like cliche as it sounds, but it's like no, so true. <laughs> um, but like, I just remember I used to have this mindset, like, you know, I I'll, fa- I'll finally be happy when I change like some aspect of myself, whether it be like my clothes, my hair, or my, body, um, you know, who I hang out with the way I talk, like everything like that. Like I'll finally be happy once I like fit that standard. And so now Mm -hmm. I'm in the mindset, um, that like, I am enough just the way that I am. Like, I don't have to change Mm -hmm. myself to fit anything. Like I am perfectly enough just the way that I am. So, um, I think that my recovery gave me So much freedom, like in every aspect of my life, you know, as simple as Mm -hmm. like the ability to laugh with my friends or to enjoy out like dinner out with my family, to like fall in love and to Mm -hmm. have the courage to pursue my dreams and just like have that feeling of like having meaning in life. So, like I said, recovery gave me freedom in every aspect um and it's just it's been an amazing experience to say the least Mm
0: -hmm. yeah that makes me literally smile like I'm super (laughs) smiling you guys can't see me right now but it's so inspiring to hear all of that and yeah like you said I feel like the eating disorder makes you a completely different person you're not yourself you can't interact with people how you Mm -hmm. usually would like I think the eating disorder is something separate from yourself. And when it's so ingrained in you, it just makes you like, just so irritable. Like you can't Mm -hmm. even have fun. Or like you said, you can't feel those intense emotions because your brain is just focused on food and your body and so many different really unhealthy aspects. When you think that you're actually being healthy, but you're not type of thing, I guess. And it's
1: very isolating. Like when you have an eating disorder, Mm. like it doesn't want you to be around anybody. It's like, it makes you feel so self conscious and so uncomfortable that like, you just want to be alone. So that affected every relationship that I have ever had, whether it be like my friends, family, or romantically, like I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to be by myself. And it was very toxic for me especially in college like kind of in a place in your life where you're trying to discover who you are and you're trying to like find your way in in you know the world and your eating disorders, like no like I'm not gonna let you do that like you're like it was controlling me in everything
0: so transitioning into how you said it was isolating and I know now you have a very Big platform on Instagram at body by breakfast, go give her a follow. Um, <laughs> would you say that your Instagram, cause I know you post a lot of different like food recipes and also a lot of, um, recovery based things. Would you say that that played a role in your recovery or did that help you maybe just express your feelings, feel less alone, anything like that?
1: Yeah. So I started body by breakfast, um, as a way to keep myself accountable during my recovery. You know, I was, once I got out of treatment, I was so used to having that constant support of like my team while I was inpatient and um, you know, just being surrounded by people who knew me knew what I was going through could relate to me, you know, just it was kind of like what I called my safe zone and like my bubble. So once I got like thrown back into the real world, I didn't know how I was going to, Continue on the path of recovery that I worked so hard to build over those six weeks. Mm -hmm. So I knew I needed something to keep me accountable. And that's when I like took the plunge and like faced my fears and, you know, made an Instagram account um, that was kind of like my food journal. I remember reading in one of my like recovery articles or something like, you know, it's important to keep a food journal to keep you accountable. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just put mine like online. Like it's, it's social media. Like, you know, I was like, why not? I'll give it a right. shot. Pe- so people
0: love seeing other people's food. I feel like. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I was like, I like seeing people's food. So maybe like other people like to see my food. I don't know. But like at that mm-hmm. point um, I was just using it as a place where I could like share my meals and my snacks, keep myself accountable and also like write how I was feeling. Cause at that point I didn't feel comfortable, like expressing my emotions and stuff to people around me. Cause They didn't know what to say. They didn't know how to react. And like, I didn't know how to communicate in a way that was like helpful and positive for me. So, um, I was like, this is a pretty good place where I could do it. And like that space also let me let my creativity like run wild. I am super creative, like in everything. So I was like, you know, this Mm -hmm. will be fun. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I was able to like get my emotions and my feelings, like, out into words, which I thought was really important as well. I was like journaling every day, but I was like, you know what, I'll just like type stuff. I'll write it out. And that'll be kind of like my own journal. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I kept this account very low key. I didn't tell anyone about it. I was honestly a little embarrassed about it. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to keep it on the down low and just do this for me. So, um, and I had no like intent of anyone finding out about it. But, you know, I started using like a couple hashtags, which at that point I didn't really know what hashtags were, but I was like, I've seen them. Like, I'll just like put one out there. Like, I think it was probably like hashtag eating disorder recovery or recovery or something like that. And like, all of a sudden I started getting comments and messages from um, other people who were struggling with an eating disorder as well. And like, I had no idea there were so many people who were going through what I went through because it's mm-hmm. not like eating disorders are talked about all the time, or it's like something you learn in school. Like they're, it's like a pretty taboo subject. So mm-hmm. I was like, I felt so alone. I was like, I don't, I don't think anybody knows what I'm going through. Like, so mm-hmm. once I started hearing people's stories and seeing that there were so many other people out there like me, it was like mm-hmm. inspiring. Mm-hmm. So it like really opened my eyes to um, like a whole community of people who could relate with me. So um, Mm -hmm. this really made it clear as to how prevalent eating disorders are and how common they are and like how serious they are. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm so thankful for Instagram and that I took that risk because I have found like lifelong friends who I've like met Mm -hmm. in person. And it's just like, it's so amazing. I love and adore every single person that I talked to on there Mm -hmm. and who has been along for my journey. And, you know, I have like my community to thank for, um, for helping me along my journey to recovery. And I don't think, I know I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for like the constant love and support that I get every day.
0: Mm, I love that. Yeah. And just how you started it as a way to hold yourself accountable and, Mm -hmm. Really, just type things out or write things out. I think I know personally, I also struggle with talking about my emotions sometimes, but when I just like write them out or type them out, for some reason, it makes much more sense to me. And also the fact that you started your account like a while ago and you can go back and like look at your old posts and probably see like the mm-hmm. transitions and that you've made and like how your mindset has been reframed and everything. So that's also a really cool aspect of it, I'm sure. Yeah, and yeah I know for me my Instagram so I would say I started it as more of just like a fitness Instagram like my name Mm -hmm. is still jb4fit and I'm still I'm pondering changing that but it feels like (laughs) a big leap for me I don't know why Mm -hmm. just because I don't know um but yeah like I started it like just posting like workouts and fitness things and things like that and I'm like scrolling through my Instagram the other day and I was like I feel like I have changed so much. And like my purpose in this world and on my Instagram account is not to talk about quote unquote health only or talk about my workouts or my fitness routine. Like I feel like we're constantly evolving as humans. And sometimes it's scary because it's like someone may have known me then, like as this fitness guru, and that's why they followed me. And like, so it's kind of scary to like, will they still support my page and why well, I still have that community. But I mean, it's really just important to be authentic. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's definitely how you have built your community and gained all that support. So that's, that's really empowering to hear, I guess. Yeah. yeah.
1: And like, I don't, I also want to like mention that it hasn't always been like a super positive place for me. Like mm-hmm. I remember starting it and I was like, yes, I'm gonna keep myself accountable. Like I'm going to follow accounts that are like mine. Like this is going to be such like a good, a good place for me. And then like, I recover, I was like in recovery, like doing well. And then, you know, I hit a low point and like everything just kind of like comes crashing down. I'm like, I'm going to just use this place as not like more of a negative thing for me. So I was like following like, you know, quote unquote fits and like thinspo accounts. And I was like, you know, (laughs) playing the comparison game and, you know, it, it takes a lot out of you. So social media, you know, can be such a positive place, but it also can be so negative. And I think making your feed and like the people that you follow, um, like such a, like, I don't know how to say it, but, um, um, just like, I think filtering your feed and going through your followers and stuff and making sure that you're, consuming content that is like impactful for you. And that makes you feel good and confident is so important. Like in any stage of your life, I think that was like one of the biggest turning points for me was just like hitting that unfollow button, even like hitting that mute button. If there's things that you don't want to see, like, and they're not bringing you positivity or they're not like uplifting you, like you don't need
0: that in your life. Just like, yeah, let it go. 100% yeah I had to do that I remember like I think it was like a year ago I followed like a thousand fitness accounts and it Mm -hmm. led to that comparison trap like you talked about and I it led to me thinking oh my body's not good enough or oh should I be eating what they're eating and Mm -hmm. it's hard because on social media you really have to remember that people are posting the highlight reel like of their life and that's Mm -hmm. that's what you're seeing you're not seeing all the ups and downs, like it's not necessarily authentic, I guess, is what I'm trying Mm -hmm. to get across. So yeah, definitely curating your feed and following people who inspire you to be the best you. And that's not Mm -hmm. the best you physically, like that's you on the inside as well. Mm -hmm. For sure. Absolutely. And okay, so another question I had for you is, I read a post that you had the other day about how to accept and love like your body, because obviously throughout eating disorder recovery, you're not always but your body may change, um, you may have to gain weight, you may not, it really just depends. But mm-hmm. what would you say are your top tips on learning to accept your maybe new body if you have that? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that was something that was so, so hard. Like you know, when you're in recovery, um, for me, my body changed pretty drastically. like it was it was like night and day. So learning how to accept it and love it was just like I needed to do it and it was a really, really hard <laughs> and long process. but you know recovery, um, maybe like the most courageous and like transformative experiences, like one will ever go through, you know, you work, you work through so many like intense fears and challenges and like body image is definitely, at least for me, one of the most difficult. So there's like part of me that was like, you know, I want to give up my food rules. I want to give up the constant thoughts and anxiety about food and like, you know, heal myself. But like, then I had those fears of like, okay, if my body changes, how will I feel when it change? you know? And that was a huge barrier for me because, um, I thought like the fear, um, that I might, I had a fear that I might never feel at peace with my body. So that was like a huge obstacle for me being able to fully give up my eating disorder behaviors behaviors and fully recover. So um, a couple of things that definitely helped me was first just to practice self-compassion. I think that's important mm-hmm. with like every aspect of life, but especially like during, you know, this time I had to acknowledge and notice that I was struggling and I had to allow myself to have those feelings. You know, I wasn't going to like sugarcoat it. I wasn't going to pretend to be okay. I was like, no, I'm struggling. And like, that's okay. Um, Mm -hmm. I knew beating myself up for having like these unhelpful thoughts about my body would only make me feel worse. So instead, you know, I had to tell myself like, how strong I was and how brave I was for working on my recovery and being mm-hmm. able to sit with all these unpleasant feelings. Um, and I also really liked the idea of treating yourself the way that you would treat a loved one who was struggling. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I would try to lift them up and keep them positive and like support them during this time. So like, why shouldn't I do the same for myself? Um, mm-hmm. I finally, realize that I deserve to treat myself, you know, with the same kindness. So self-compassion is definitely probably top of my list for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And then second, I would say I had to work on like rediscovering myself, you know, away from my eating disorder and develop other aspects of my life or other aspects about myself that didn't involve my appearance. So like once I let go of the thought that my worth was solely based on the size of my clothes or the shape of my body, um, I could really find out who I was like beyond my eating disorder. I mm. decided I no longer wanted to be identified by my eating disorder. Um, mm. because like when I was very vocal about struggling, I am um, everyone like in high school and college knew it was never something that I was very quiet about. So I didn't want to be known as like, Oh, that's the girl with the eating disorder. But I wanted Mm. to be known for, you know, my talents and my heart and my interests, my soul, like things that really make me who I am. So, Mm. you know, through recovery, I got to discover like what I liked, what lights up my, my world, you know, what makes me laugh, who my people are. And like, what fun actually feels like. So getting to rediscover myself and like letting go of those ideals was really important um, when it came to accepting and loving my body, like my recovered body. Um, Mm. And then I would say third was treating my body with respect. Um, You know, that doesn't mean that I have to love every part of my body every single day. That's like, really hard to do. So I didn't want to like set myself up for failure by like expecting that, but instead focusing on, um, accepting and respecting my body every day. I think those are two totally different things. Like loving your body and respecting your body are totally different. So if I could just, Mm -hmm every day wake up and like commit to respecting my body, then like that makes such a huge difference because it's like so hard to take care of something that we hate or we disrespect. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can still recognize that our bodies are always deserving of care and respect. So um, just learning how to do that through like expressing Gratitude daily for what my body does instead of, you know, how it looks, um, getting rid of old clothes that don't fit and buying clothes that will fit my body where it's at right now and clothes that I feel comfortable and confident in, um, ditching the scale was probably like one of the biggest (laughs) things to respect my body. And instead like checking in more internally instead Mm -hmm. of using like those external factors to, basically determine how I'm feeling Mm -hmm. and, you know, changing my body shaming thoughts into more positive thoughts that are like empowering me and like, just make me feel better about myself, I Mm -hmm. think are my top things that have helped me so far.
0: Those are all so good. I feel like I could I feel like those three tips are just things that we could talk about for so long. But
1: forever. I know I was like, I gotta keep this like, you know, a little shorter than <laughs> than what I would want.
0: No, yeah, that was great. And your first thing that really stood out to me that you said was treating your body like as you would treat other people and not always mm-hmm. thinking like, cause we're so, so hard on ourselves. And if sometimes like thoughts come into my head and I have to literally think, would I say this to someone else? And like, if Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, why am I saying it to myself? Like, I don't deserve that whatsoever. Mm
1: -hmm. So yeah. yeah.
0: And, and then just like how you were talking about, I think it's so important. People talk about loving their bodies. I feel like that's so prevalent, just like in the Mm -hmm. media and the importance of just like accepting it and respecting it. I think is essential, like, especially in recovery, because you're not, everyone has those bad body image days. Like you're not going, there's going to be little things that might bother you and things like that, Mm -hmm. but just, just really, I don't, I mean, I think you said it perfectly. I don't (laughs) even need to repeat it, but yeah, just accepting it and accepting those little imperfections and knowing that Mm -hmm. it's okay. And those imperfections that we may see Other people don't see it. Like it's, it's such a small part of us and we are not our body. Like I remember Mm -hmm. hearing something once, like it was, your body is just the vessel that you're given to move throughout the world. And I, Mm -hmm. that like hit home for me.
1: I was like, I love that.
0: Yes. Like, like we need that
1: plastered across like the whole world.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. I would literally just yell that at diet culture Mm -hmm. right now. But Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing those tips. I feel like that'll really help other people that might be struggling with their body changing or just any natural negative body image thoughts. So mm-hmm. those are great. And mm-hmm. kind of just to wrap up. Um, so I know you're in your dietetic internship and I start my internship this summer. So I'm excited Woo! for that. Um, but what do you have any specific plans? Like, do you know what you want to do as a future RD or anything like that? Um, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I have not one clue. Um,
1: I didn't think I would like clinical as much as I do. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I love that there's like every day is not the same, new things happen. Like, I get to see so many interesting and exciting things, and like, I feel like I can. I'm like making a difference um, Mm -hmm. when I do work with patients there. But so like, maybe I'll stick with that. I'm not sure. But like, of course, I want to do something like in the eating disorder realm, or like, you know, um, just teaching people how to heal their relationship with food and stuff like that. I was like, I feel like I have such a calling for that. And like, Mm -hmm. I went through what I went through to, like I said earlier, like share my story and my experiences, because honestly, I don't think I like, you won't understand unless you've been through it. So Um, I remember like having a therapist and like, she was talking to me about eating disorders and she was like, you know, I, I haven't had one, but like, I'm sure this is like what you feel like. I'm like, Mm. you don't know what I feel like. (laughs) Like, don't tell me like how I'm feeling. So I'm like, since I've been through it, I feel like I have kind of like an upper hand, um, Mm -hmm. into like helping others, you know, not Mm -hmm. go through what I went through. So I'm open to like so many things when it comes to dietetics, um, but I'm not exactly sure where my path is gonna take me yet.
0: yeah, and I would say the same thing i there's that's the good thing about dietetics, though there are so many different areas that you can work mm-hmm. in, and I don't know, but I am a hundred percent confident that you would be successful in that eating disorder space because yeah. of just I feel like you're so well spoken and you have those experiences like you talked about so. Yeah. Aww, thanks. Yeah, of course. And then okay, two final questions. So the first okay. question is advice that you would have given your younger self. So maybe this was when you were in college or just any time. What would you have told yourself?
1: I wish I could tell my younger self so many things. Like, <laughs> geez. But I think like the most important that I haven't personally heard before, like when I hear this kind of question um, was to not give away your power. Um, Mm. I spent so long seeking, you know, that constant validation and acceptance from those around me and from society. I based my entire self-worth off of opinions of others and basically let them define me like who I was and how I felt about myself. And so I was never really living for myself. And I really had no power. I gave my power to everyone else except myself. So um, I knew that if I wanted to actually be present in life and live the life I deserved, I had to take my power back. Um, Mm -hmm. I had to stop believing the lies that society was telling me that I wasn't talented enough or skinny enough or pretty enough um, or good enough. And I had to stop believing that they were the ones who determined my value and my worth. Um, you know, I strongly believe that the only power people have over us is the power that we decide to give them. So, um, the less I depended on others for validation, like the stronger I became the, um, like more like both physically and mentally and the, um, more empowered, like in life I felt. So making the conscious choice to take back my power was like probably the key to finally being in control of my life. And I wish my younger self would have known that.
0: (laughs) Mm, I absolutely love that. Yeah. That inner strength and inner power. That's so important. Mm -hmm. Mm. All right. And then last thing is, what would you say is your favorite quote that you live by?
1: so many quotes i think there's so many good quotes out there but i think the one that i live by i have it like as my screensaver on my phone i say it all the time it's just to throw kindness around like confetti i mm, think that yeah. is like that's my favorite line ever and i think everyone is affected by an act of kindness you know mm. it's contagious and you never know how big of an impact a small gesture of kindness can have. You know, you could be walking down mm-hmm. the street, somebody be, could be having, you know, the worst day of their life. And just by the simple act of like holding the door open or like before we wore masks, like smiling, you know, <laughs> just something so simple like that could easily turn somebody's day around. And I think there's so much power behind that. Um, I think kindness brings people together and mm-hmm. doing good for others just like makes us feel good. So, mm-hmm. You know, there's. I mean, I'm gonna like throw another quote in there because I heard this one too, and I was like, this this is good stuff.
0: Go for and it. It's like,
1: you know, people won't always remember what you said or what you did, but they'll always remember how you how you made them feel. So, you know, mm-hmm. why not leave them with something positive? And I think that's so powerful too. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, especially in the state of the world that we're in, like, there's so much bad out there, and it's unfortunately out of our control. So we shouldn't be adding fuel to that fire. Um, if there's like one thing we have total control over, it's the way we treat each other and everyone, no matter what deserves to be treated with kindness. And I just think everyone could use a little bit more kindness in their
0: life. Exactly. Yeah. The world would be such a better place if we right? threw kindness around like confetti i, I love like, that quote throw it up it's So good. <laughs> share it with everyone Jeez. yes oh that's great all right <laughs> thank you so much erin um so if people want to find you on instagram or want to connect with you ask you questions maybe they have questions about this podcast where can they find you at
1: they can find me on instagram at body
0: by breakfast perfect awesome yeah everyone go hit that follow button on her profile you trust me you will probably end up making at least 10 of her recipes I swear (laughs) they're so good um but yeah thanks so much for joining me today Erin thank you We'll